0: and welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Crook and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Oliver Gilmore. Ollie, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Harrison. It's not Broncos country, but we're keen to ride along today and chat about Seattle in the United States of America.
0: I see what you did there. I appreciate it a lot. We are in Seattle this week. We're getting back. To one of our cities, and we're very excited to chat all things Seattle. Uh, but before we do, we've got to hit our socials. So make sure you follow us on all of the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. We're on YouTube. Road Trip Sports Podcast is what you need to search. Any inquiries you've got, if you'd like to get in touch, if you'd like to get on the podcast and chat all of your sports stories, uh, get in touch with us. Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com
1: or you can slide into any of our DMs. You sure can, and um, we were trying to fit in a couple of songs to start. You know, we always try and chuck a couple of songs in throughout the episode, but I thought, oh, what are some Seattle musicians? And boy, oh boy, have they got an underrated music scene?
0: They sure do. I I, I knew of a few of them. I knew of Nirvana um, as sort of the main one. Uh, from the area But uh, you look down the list Pearl Jam uh, Macklemore Jimi Hendrix Foo Fighters Ray Charles Soundgarden It's it's quite a substantive list So um, if we've got the wrong songs in here If you think that uh, Your, your favourite band Or your favourite song Should have been in there Make sure to get in touch with us At Road Trip Sports Pod um, And let us know Because it's, uh, it's a great music scene
1: It is It is And it's always pretty cool To look at these ones But um, we had to I don't know whether we'll end up putting it in there, but you'll know this once you've listened. The song from Batman, hasn't that um, almost something in the way, hasn't yeah. that almost uh, come back vigorously in a new light? It's almost one of their most popular songs now, just after that movie.
0: Yeah, it's a really great one that's um, sort of rose to prominence. And it's funny how old songs are made good again in the current time. Like you, I think of a lot of Queen songs, like, I know it's not Seattle necessarily, but... I feel like every single ad at the moment has a song from Queen. Like, yeah. every single ad does it on TV. And that, um,
1: and that song fit the movie so well, funnily yeah. enough. And it's become a bit of a meme song as well. You yeah, put that all together. So, I mean, that's usually a recipe for uh, success. Well, for the band anyway, they'll get a few streams out of it nonetheless.
0: For sure, for sure. Um, well, any, any news uh, from, from sports this week or anything you'd like to discuss?
1: Yeah, I just want to mention one thing. We saw a bit of cricket back. The first thing I wanted to mention was Australia back playing in Western Australia for their one of three test match series. It might only be two. I, I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but they're back. They, they, play played, they played West Indies. They got the job done. West Indies put up a bit of a fight. That's um, good. That's good. And ultimately, it was, a, it was a pretty solid game. The crowd the crowd was a bit disappointing, um, but, you know, in a November in, um, well, W.A., during the day i know it was a day night test but you're not ultimately going to get a big crowd when people are at work so yeah for sure they'll get around that and i think the day night thing is is a good sign of things to come to get more people to the games even if they do attend after five you know so yeah absolutely we saw one big thing and one thing that absolutely shocked me now england played pakistan in a in a test series um it's their first of three tests yeah england they come out they they employ this new strategy 657 runs of 101 overs you're kidding so they've hit tons and tons of 4s a fair few 6s and they've basically just come out swinging they're playing it like a big bash yeah exactly like it was like even yeah 50 over game but they've done it for 100 overs and look boy 657 runs huge then pakistan have come out and scored 580 completely to the contrary they come out and played your normal style of test cricket i mean they did have a decent strike rate um england have come back and declared and now there's a chance that pakistan could win this whole thing they only need 90 runs off 53 overs as it stands so cricket's back. how
0: many how many wickets
1: um they've still got five remaining so yeah, right. Probably That's a draw terrible. or a Pakistan win, I'd say. But um, ultimately, cricket's back, which is really, really good to see. Um, we've seen that new style of cricket, which England have decided to implement. It, and I, I mean, I'm all for it, um, creating some interest. Because, I mean, if you're getting... Both teams aren't going to do it. I mean, it's unnatural. But if teams are able to uh, come out and absolutely smack it, then isn't it good viewing? You know, they get out... They pretty much finished up in a day, which was really crazy in itself, well, that's what we've seen on the cricket scene, but um, for those of you who don't know, we've got a big event coming up this week in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. It's the Waratah Bowl. H, hey, tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so um, it's the Gridiron New South Wales competition. Um, for those who don't know, yes, we do play American football in australia and i play for the sydney university lions and we've made uh the waratah bowl uh again this year um and we'll be looking for the club's 22nd state championship um and
1: 18 from the last 19 it's a big stat how does that how's that come about h is well, it is it imports like um <laughs> oh, what, oh do i take the stab nah right is it is it imports is it is it uh a good quality team culture
0: well it was 16 in a row. Um, there was, it was a big era in the club where they had quality coaching, they had a lot of quality veteran talent and we're starting to see a lot of those guys retire and we're having to talk them back into uh, into the sport but it's been great to see the team uh, get amongst it today, uh, this year and um, it's going to be a real good moment on, the, uh, on
1: this weekend. And you're taking on the North Sydney Rebels. The Northern Sydney Rebels, yep. Who are... Well, I mean, their star player on the defense, on the defensive, Mitchell end. King, Mitchell Kingy King. So, um, I look forward to watching that one, H, as a spectator. If you've got nothing to do and you are probably in the Sydney area, because I mean, do our listeners love you enough to travel two hours? I would hope they do. Yeah, maybe, but um, I'll if, give you a
0: special shout out on the pod next week if you do.
1: Yeah, if 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 um if they haven't got anything on. Where should they head this Saturday, Hutch? Uh,
0: so it's the Eastern Suburbs Rugby Club, um, out at Rose Bay. Um, I think they haven't announced the game times yet, but it's probably going to be around five o'clock. Um, but make sure you follow the Sydney Uni American Football Club uh, Facebook page, and uh, and yeah, hopefully it's my first. It's going to be my first uh, state championship game as captain of the team, so I'm really excited for for that, and uh, it's a big achievement even to get there. So it's going to be a great game, and. Whether it's us or whether it's the rebels, um, I'm happy. I'm happy either way.
1: Yeah, it should be good, man. I'll I'll be uh, eagerly watching along, and I'll be making sure to check that Sydney Uni Gridun page over the GNSW page because I just think you guys post elite. Um, oh, so we'll wait, we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see Whoever's very whoever's competent the social media
0: manager at, uh, at that <laughs> club <laughs> and does, a, does a pretty good job
1: Very, very competent, unlike others Anyway, so um, we'll, we'll get into Seattle And we'll talk about the city of Seattle yeah. um, It's a seaport city It's on the west coast of the United States So another American city We have talked about a fair few of them um, This one, you would say, is rising uh, it's got a population of 737,000 and it's the largest city in the state of Washington and the Pacific Northwest region of North America. It has four major sports teams. They've got the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL, the Seattle Mariners in the MLB, the Seattle Kraken in the NHL. Or what a
0: Kraken name.
1: It is a Kraken <laughs> name. Um, and they've got the Seattle Sounders in the MLS or the soccer.
0: Yeah, um, four quality teams. Uh I think the main ones that have had championship pedigree are probably the seahawks and the sounders um the sounders have been quite a quality um soccer outfit for a very long time as long with the um the recent success of the seahawks themselves but um sports a big part of the seattle area and i think they're um there's a professional sports team that's missing from that list
1: there is it's the seattle supersonics and we saw uh them relocate to what is now known as the oklahoma city thunder uh now I was I was a big fan of the Seattle SuperSonics not only because of their their logo which I think all their logos across time which I think is really cool but they established in 1967 they ended up moving to Oklahoma City in 2008. So we'll get into a little bit about how that move came about. Now, it was all about money. And after failed efforts to persuade the Washington state government officials to provide 220 million in public funding to update or upgrade their stadium the supersonics ownership group sold the team to the professional basketball club llc which was basically an investment group and it was led by oklahoma city businessman clay bennett um so a condition of the sale was that it was it was basically a good faith effort it was to secure a stadium in the seattle area and um basically keep the team in seattle upgrade the facilities ultimately to keep the team there moving forward however bennett being from oklahoma city he says well screw your good faith clause screw uh your good good faith entering into the contract i'm taking this team to oklahoma city so that as i mentioned at the end of 2008 was formalized oklahoma city became what they are now, and the Seattle Supersonics are no longer. Now since then, the Supersonics, they're sort of one of those teams where you think that the NBA will go back there, and I think much of the reason for that is we've seen a a growth rate in the population even between 2010 and 2020. Um, It was a growth rate of 21, about 21%, which would mean they're one of the nation's largest and fastest growing cities.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting, um, the call that was made, because the Seattle Supersonics had a very big popularity in the area, didn't they?
1: They did, and they were around for a little bit, but ultimately it was all to do with facilities. You may remember, I believe it was the Key Center or Key Arena um, they had in Seattle. It was just old, man. It was just a very, very old building. um, And it ultimately led the team to think, well, if we don't upgrade our facilities we're not a favorable team to host big events and we're not and you know what i like they weren't able to bring enough of a crowd because ultimately fans are drawn to nice facilities they want upgraded facilities that's what those big businessmen they invest in their team and they spend a lot of money but as it was they didn't have a lot of money so let's get these investors in to help but ultimately they had a different intention and that was to relocate to okc now, the two teams I think that we'll probably see moving forward, I think one of them probably will be Seattle. I think the Supersonics will get a team again. The I, other? I think so. I mean, you, you, you
0: see, they've got the, the Kraken have moved to the to the area. They've got the Climate Pledge Arena um, now set up, which has a capacity of 17,000. Um, so that's enough for an NBA team. Yeah. Um, I think the Seattle definitely needs a team. Who's the
1: other? You think? I think it's probably got to be Las Vegas as well. You know, we've seen the introduction of their women's yeah. team. We've seen the Raiders move there in the NFL. I've even
0: I've even heard rumblings that a baseball team would work there if the ba- if um, baseball were looking to expand. It's such a hot market right now for sports, and why not?
1: Well, let's have a bit of a think here because I think
0: the gambling stigma for so long gambling had a stigma in the states where yeah. it was it was sort of an illegal done under closed doors sort of thing, the hush, hush, hush. But now gambling's sort of taken that turn and now it is something that um, is done more regularly by the average American. So there's less of that stigma with Las Vegas specifically.
1: Yeah, so I suppose there is an expectation that the NBA will announce those two teams after the expiry of their media deal in 2024. What so you, you th- reckon it's soon? I reckon That'd it's be pretty good. soon. That'd be good, What yeah. are some teams that you think could get... Um, if you could get an NBA team, I'll start off. We'll I'll rapid fire few uh through a few, and I'll let me give you. You say yes or no to okay. these to these cities. Are we
0: starting with Seattle and Las Vegas?
1: I think they. I think they. I think they're, I think yes. they're guaranteed because
0: I, I was going to say, do we even need it? They're guaranteed. I think they're guaranteed. Uh All
1: right. All right. First one, Anaheim, California.
0: No, but we've we've got. you think about it. We've got Sacramento Kings. We've got Golden State. We've got. La The two LA teams There's already four teams in California I think it's a bloated market I don't think they need a team
1: right, I tend to agree Mexico City It would be good for basketball to
0: continue to expand internationally I think it would work with the time zones I think expanding a professional team into Mexico for all four sports should be encouraged
1: I think let's just see how their G League team goes They established that in 2021 So I think that's a good early marker to see how it travels Yep, for sure. Next one, Montreal, Canada.
0: Um, could Canada support a second team? Is the question. Um, they've had them before, haven't they? They the have. Vancouver Grizzlies. Vancouver Grizzlies. Um, do you think the market's there? Is the market expanding?
1: Hundred percent. It's not. It's not that I think that Montreal isn't a good candidate here, but I think Vancouver's a much better candidate. So I think that no to Montreal, but yes to Vancouver. I think Vancouver should have another crack.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Next one here, H. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. What are your thoughts?
0: Ooh, there's a lot of teams around that eastern area, but it is very popular basketball area. I, I'm gonna edge. There's no team in Ohio, is there?
1: Well, there's the Cavs, but oh, Clavs of
0: Cleveland. Sorry, yeah, there is. Um, maybe. Okay, I, it wouldn't be top of my list.
1: Next one, Kansas City.
0: Who are the other team in the Midwest?
1: Oh, well, you've got, like, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies would be
0: around. That's mem- That's a bit far. Um, Milwaukee's be close closer there.
1: Chicago, Denver. Like, I don't know. You probably could
0: have one there. But, it, again, it wouldn't be my top. It'd be above Pittsburgh, but wouldn't be my top pick.
1: I like this one because I've been there, and I think that it could work, particularly what we see from their college team. But Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, that's a basketball hotbed. It sounds crazy, but being such a small town, but they've already got the KFC Yum Center, which has had an NBA game or two. The Um, only
0: problem I could see, though, and it's similar to why a lot of people say Alabama need an NFL team, but there's pushback. Is the college team too successful to have an NBA team? If the NBA team starts out struggling, do you think it'll gain the following that the UK have?
1: Maybe. It's the same question as to whether... Alabama needs an NFL team and ultimately it's no because yeah uh, they have a big enough market for college teams and it's the same sort of works for Kentucky with basketball but you know we think about small you know, we discredit them because there would be a small market size but New Orleans and Memphis they've both got an NBA team and that's a but smaller there's, market there's
0: been talk lately that New Orleans probably doesn't need a basketball team like they're they're not very basketball heavy area and I've heard talk they could move to LA, uh, uh, sorry Las Vegas you never is, know. Is the talk?
1: I think that if they add two teams, they might relocate one or two. But I think that ultimately they'll. Because you give realign the
0: them to base them on the market size.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, Las Vegas and and Seattle—they've got to be in the West. So, and you always talk about that. We could you could move a couple of teams over the East. You'd probably have to restructure the whole NBA. So. Yeah, you would. I don't know, like the Kings. Unless you,
0: do you add two teams to each side? make it 34 or is that too weird
1: yeah i don't know i don't know we'll wait and see how it pans out but this is just a bit of uh food food for thought i would say um, absolutely but we'll talk about a team um, in the seattle seahawks but particularly a team and a bunch of individuals that dominated in the early 2010s and that was the legion of boom h
0: yeah the legion of boom fantastic um each and every player on that Legion of Boom was just it's almost nearing Hall of Fame uh, level of players. You think of Richard Shermans, your Earl Thomas, your Cam Chancellor's like they're um, absolute legends of the game. Like the way Cam Chancellor hit, the way Earl Thomas could read the field. Um, they were a great team. Absolutely, nothing more can be said. Yeah. And the only thing yeah. that could be said is that they need more. They needed more titles.
1: Yeah, they they needed that one against the Patriots, which particularly Slip they should have um, but they, did, they should
0: have run away with it
1: they did get six <laughs> consecutive winning seasons they had three division titles two NFC championships and a Super Bowl victory and you know the Niners were competitive around that that era too so to be able to do that was probably um, a big error for them and we saw the emergence of, of the extra player on the field hey, just tell us a little bit about that
0: Sorry, what was that?
1: The extra player on the field for Seattle that they were known for their whole, their whole, oh, yeah, they're their still 12th known man, for the twelfth man, mate.
0: Um, the the stadium was insane. There, they um, they actually on the Marshall and Lynch run in the playoff game, 2011, um, they broke the record. Uh, They they had an earthquake. They caused an earthquake from being so loud during that run that sealed the game against the uh, then-defending champion Saints. So um, that crowd is unmatched and unrivaled, and it definitely is a very big home field advantage. Broken, Broken decibel records, all sorts of stuff.
1: So let's quickly touch... I want to touch on, before we get into our icon debate and chat, let's talk about those two Super Bowls that the Seahawks were in and how that panned out for that organization now we'll start off we'll start off with 2013 H how did they go in 2013 um, so
0: 2013 that was the year that they uh, won the title um, so they they yeah the 2013 season They dominated throughout um, beat the Broncos in the final but it was it was the matchup of um, offense first defense where Denver had the number one ranked offense and uh, Seattle have a number one defense. And you heard the old adage, uh, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Nothing truer than in this
1: game. 100%. And the favorites were actually the Broncos coming into this one by two points. And we saw a 43-8 to victory. And what was a blowout the whole way along. Um, Denver didn't really ever look like winning that match. And, um, you know, it was... It was the emergence of what we thought was going to be a dynasty. The next year, they make the Super Bowl again against the New England Patriots. It's it's basically the last quarter, H. They were up 24-14. Tom Brady with another one of his infamous comebacks. But they have the ball um, at the one-yard line. New England's one-yard line. What happens next?
0: Yeah, so they decided that... Instead of trusting their big back, the guy who arguably brought them to the dance, Marshawn Lynch, they didn't want to trust him. They instead go to pass. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with the pass decision, but I disagree with the play call. That slant. There's so much mess in that middle to defend for to defend for Marshawn Lynch that it's just it's it's going to be a tight window throw anyway. You've got... Malcolm Butler makes an incredible read on the play. Like, hands down, that's incredible play. But it wasn't going to end well anyway. You, you, you saw the the game situation. They probably... They they could only stop the clock once. So they could probably only run it once. It depends on what the matchup you want. Maybe you throw a fade. Maybe you throw a ball. Like, the one of those ones where it's like, let's let our receiver make a play on the ball. If he doesn't come down with it, great. We run run up the guts with Marshall Lynch. Win the game. But... Ultimately, they try to go the pass. They try to go the slant. They throw the slant. Butler reads it from a mile away, comes down hard on that ball, intercepts the ball, game.
1: Yeah, and I I have a problem with this because it's second down. It's second and goal. There's still 25 seconds left on the clock. I think that we've seen... What
0: what was the final score in that game? Was it 24-20? It was 28-24. 28-24. So they're down four. They need the touchdown. They do. They do. You throw the pass on second down, you run the ball on four, um, on third down. Take that last time out, and then you've got either at your disposal. Fourth down, you have got to win the game. Pick your best play. So you can get. You could have actually. Now that I think it out, you could have got two Marshawn Lynch runs in there. And do you think Marshawn Lynch on the one yard line is being stopped twice that year? Not a chance.
1: Yeah, and that's like kudos. Hats off to you for stopping Marshawn Lynch twice in that in that circumstance. And we could talk about this play forever, but ultimately it was a question mark and two titles, it would have certainly increased uh, Pete Carroll, Richard Sherman Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch's his legacy, um, but ultimately they do lose that matchup Tom Bra- Tom Brady is crowned as Super Bowl MVP and, and the rest is history And it's- yeah, It'd be a
0: big question if Brady lost that game as to whether he would have won some of the other ones he won, I mean That was the. he had the big 10-year gap where he didn't win a title. They came close. They had the 07 season where they went undefeated, lost in the Super Bowl. They had the um, 2011 season when they um, stormed through the field, got to the final, and lost to the Giants again. So it um, it was that real get over the hump for them, to get the monkey off the back and finally get that title, which led them to the two next ones. It's interesting. That's such a Brady legacy game. If you flip that and give it to Seattle... I think Brady's legacy is hurt more than just by losing that one game. I don't know that he gets some of the other ones either.
1: Yeah, it's a fair call. And I I will chat quickly. It was ranked the third highest Super Bowl game among the NFL.com's 100 greatest games, ranked eighth overall. Then Butler's game-winning interception was ranked fifth. Uh, On the nfl.com's 100 greatest plays, which is actually the highest ranked defensive play So one of the biggest plays and one of the best games that we've seen. And I mean, mean,
0: underrated now is the double-digit comeback that the Patriots had. I mean, uh, you look at it now and they came back from 25 points against the Falcons two years later and made it look ridiculous. But a 10-point comeback and the way Tom Brady led that final um, touchdown drive that put them ahead um, showed the class and poise that we've seen for so many years and have continued to see for... I mean, it's almost been 10 years since that and he's still playing.
1: Well, enough about Tom Brady because we are talking about Seattle and one thing that I do want to mention is the Seattle Seahawks season in 2022 what have you made of their season thus far H? let's before we do that let's talk about the departure of Russell Wilson and the emergence of Seattle this season
0: it's just been a real come from nowhere story and there's one every year and um, Geno Smith for from all accounts is, is a different man in, in Seattle. He's really put his nose to the grindstone. Um, I heard a Mark Sanchez interview, um, uh, he was talking with Juno Smith and just about his changes in work ethic, changed in diet. Like he really was like, if, if Russell's going, there's a void there and there's a chance for someone to, to take that spot. That's only going to be available for a year before they draft someone else. He was like, This is my chance. I've got to pounce. And he's put everything into this offseason and looked like a completely different quarterback to the point where he's ranked sixth. We just checked the um, MVP odds. He's ranked sixth. If you told me before the season that Geno Smith would be sixth on the MVP race, I would laugh you out of the building.
1: I think it's a little bit too high,
0: personally, but nonetheless... I agree it's too high, but the fact that he's even in that conversation whatsoever... Is, is unreal.
1: Exactly. And and he got in that starting role, which was probably a bit of a turbulent ride, you would say. You know, Wilson gets traded to the Broncos for Drew Locke, Noah Fan picks and others basically and we thought oh that's going to be an interesting trade ultimately it'll fall back on the picks but none of those players have really had the chance to do anything because it's all as you mentioned about geno smith and it's going to be about those picks moving forward
0: that they they have hit on this draft as well i think that's the key they've got some absolute studs uh in this draft across the board and i think that because um, they've got a few firsts from for years to come now don't they
1: they do, they that, sure do.
0: That's the way to build a championship roster. I mean, I don't know if Geno's the long-term future quarterback for the Seahawks. I think that uh, they can probably, depending on the talent, they could move up, they could package some picks and and get the quarterback they're really after, or they could ride with Geno and fully support him with talent across the roster and really go for maybe even a championship run.
1: Yeah, and we've seen the emergence of their secondary, and as it stands, they're 7-5 and five after beating... Aaron's Rams, um, and he actually mentioned, I thought I'd I'd mention, I, I've got a good enough memory, I remember his uh, chat about Kobe Bryant, which is a bit hard to forget, Yeah, uh, he was hot on him uh, coming out of the draft, and he's been a good player this year, but it's been there. Kenneth Walker's doing, done well at running back. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a stud, he got injured today, unfortunately, which oh, could, could raise some questions, hopefully it's not a long-term one, but... Seattle as it stands They're 7-5 and five. Um, They're looking to be The wild card Or get a wild card As The 49ers will probably Take that division But haven't they just Over exceeded expectations And doesn't it make it All the better When Russ is struggling In Denver
0: Yeah, yeah that's been uh, Probably two of the stories Of the season Has been the way that the, Both of those teams Are fared I mean the The strength of the Seahawks And the struggles of the De- Of the Broncos It's it's been really perplexing to see. Like, if you had to guess, they you'd guess the records would be flipped. You'd guess that the Seahawks are about four and eight, really struggling. The the Broncos are doing pretty well, flying
1: high, seven and five or seven and four, seven and five, sort of sort of area. But, um, yeah, it was horrific again today. Russ didn't even score a touchdown, and as it stands, he's got more bathrooms in his house than touchdowns this year.
0: He was playing against their backup quarterback. Lamar got hurt in that game. And they won 10-9. to nine. Couldn't even score a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I, you know what I think they're really missing this team? Is a quality running back. Like, without Williams, he's obviously injured yeah. for the season. They're they relying won. on Lat Murray. Lat like, Murray in 2022. Like, come yeah. on. And Mike Boone and, like, Marlon Mack. They're all rejects, man. Like, they're not able to get that offense going. And when <sighs> their big tight end, Greg... Um, Is it Dolchich, I believe it's pronounced. When he's like their best receiver, I mean, Jerry Judy, and you expected more from Cortland Sutton. It's just, it's been a disastrous year for that Denver Broncos team. So, yeah, it's hard. The problem is that you need
0: a balanced offense, you need the run game to get going to set up the pass. So, um, teams are keying off on the pass because they know there's no third on the run. We can just sit back and let Rush cook.
1: That's exactly right. And look, we'll get into the icon of Seattle.
0: All right, let's get into the icon now. We're going to go through and we're changing up a little bit how we do the icons. We're going to have a quick sort of fire back and forth some finalists and just have a bit of an informal chat about them and then get into our our icon themselves. We're also going to explain as we go why they're great. But why they're not quite the icon what what is that key thing that drags them back so let's start and i'm gonna start by proposing beast mode marshall lynch i'm this is one that i was arguing for that should be the icon i was banging the table for marshall lynch um oh first of all tell us why he's such a good icon for seattle why why would he make a good icon
1: well, he spent majority of his career with the seattle seahawks um after a stint in buffalo he basically wow well, he brought his career to the forefront he said i'm taking over and he was an absolute star you know we saw that beast quake run a uh, beast quake run yeah we saw the beastquake run um and we saw him become an absolute unstoppable force who had a bit of character you know the skittles the, the oh, side I'm just here antics. so I don't get fined. Exactly. He, he's just—he's not relatable, but yeah. like he's so likable. Um, I mean, it feels hard like to a, He feels
0: like a real person who's not just the trained media robots we get these days. Like he—he he would answer when when he wasn't just not answering questions, he would answer them honestly and he would answer them truthfully.
1: Yeah, and I think it helps when you know you're a loudmouth, but you're so. Supportive of your community and we know we saw many videos come through where he's always um, always supporting his community during Thanksgiving Christmas that sort of thing and I think that was what he was renowned for a bit and that's why many people absolutely love and respect him in Seattle
0: and so I'm going to share the reason why he's not the icon and go ahead the difference between him being an icon and him not being an icon is one yard Give him that dang ball on the one-yard line, and he is the icon of Seattle because he's just led them to two straight back-to-back Super Bowl championships. Unfortunately, not the icon, Marshawn.
1: It's a good call, and it's a bit of a what-if, which we've already chatted about. But our next one, it's Sean Kemp, and he was a player for the Seattle Supersonics, Uh, an absolute star, a high-flyer. He could dunk the ball, a combo with Gary Payton. He was a six-time All-Star, made the All-NBA second team three times across his career, but drafted by the Supersonics. He took that team to new heights in the 90s and it was just so fun to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I didn't see much of him, but um, obviously you're telling me and I've heard stories about his greatness. Um, why Why isn't he the icon?
1: Well, I'll start off by saying... He didn't spend his whole career in Seattle. He had 10 years in Cleveland, Portland, and Orlando after that, which I think puts a bit of stunt on the icon status. But also, he never won a championship with the Sonics. And I think that ties into our next guy, Gary Payton, the glove. Now, if Gary Payton wins a championship with the Seattle Supersonics, he could easily be the icon. But he just couldn't get over the MJ hump, and as many couldn't, but he was an all-star, a first NBA team, a defensive player of the year, and one of, arguably, the best defensive player of all time whilst playing for that Seattle Supersonics team from 1990 to 2003. We talk Supersonics, we talk Gary Payton. So I think that he's a worthy candidate, but once again, like Kemp, he just didn't get that NBA championship. Who's our next 1H?
0: Our next one has got to be Pete Carroll um, has led Seattle to their first Super Bowl title, um, has been great for the Seahawks, and we're starting to see his impact now that Russell's gone and now that he's being able to have that impact on the team again. It's it's built in his image this year, and it's succeeding, and that's because of his positivity, the way he goes about things, his attitude, and... Yeah, it's hard to knock them in.
1: I won't tell you why he's not the icon, but I'll tell you what he needs to do to get the icon. If he wins another championship in Seattle without Russell Wilson and without that Legion of Boom team, I think he's the icon of Seattle.
0: Honestly, I don't even think he needs to do that. I think he needs to have sustained success for the next five years. If he gets to the playoffs maybe two or three times in that time, I think he is.
1: We'll wait and see. He's a 71-year-old man, which is crazy to think and crazy to encourage him to be coaching at 76 years of age. But um, I think if anyone can do it, I think Pete Carroll is certainly capable.
0: I definitely think he'd be a great option.
1: Um, Who's the next guy, Al? The next guy is Ken Griffey Jr., um, also nicknamed Jr. or The Kid. He spent um, time with Seattle... From 1989 to 1999, and he had a stint to finish his career from 2009 to 2010. Now he was an All Star, he was an AL MVP, he had some Golden Glove awards, Silver Slugger awards. Man, what else do you say? A Seattle Mariners Hall of Famer.
0: I think the main thing that you can say is that 99.3 percent of people agree with you in his induction to the bus uh, to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2016. A worthy option, but oh, why isn't he the icon of Seattle?
1: I think it's got to be once again the championship, and I think it's got to be the fact that he spent a little bit of time with some other teams. But I just think you've got to bring a championship. It's it's honestly it's tough. It's a really tough question. I mean, we're not predominantly baseball fans, so we don't bring that insight. But we can certainly acknowledge what he did for that city. You know, I I. I think our next guy, you understand why he's the winner here, but I think it's going to be debatable. It is certainly. I think I think, I think
0: it's going to cause some uh, some strife.
1: This one could easily be, it could go either way. And we looked at a few, and it was it was Ken Griffey, it was Gary Payton, it was our winner, and ultimately it could have been Beast Mode. People loved Beast Mode. It was certainly part of the fan polls.
0: Now we've actually, um, we've actually, funnily enough, we've got this person in the studio with us. Um, Old, do you want to, do you want to introduce him and uh, and let him talk about why he's the icon a little bit?
1: The icon of Seattle is Russ Russell Wilson.
0: Hey guys, it's Russell Wilson here, um, Mr. Unlimited.
1: <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Are, you sure Are you sure you're unlimited? Absolutely. Are you sure you're unlimited, Russ? I'm, I'm Mr. Dangerous. <laughs> Maybe not anymore, mate. Maybe not anymore. Seahawks country, let's ride. Well, we will talk a bit about Russ. Thanks, Hage, for that impression. But, um, I don't Ru- know what you're talking about. That was an impression. <laughs> Thanks for coming in, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Sorry I couldn't be there with you. Yeah, cheers, Russ. I don't know what you're doing in Newcastle. <laughs> 12 hours removed from the game you just played, but anyway. um, Yeah, so, so Russ was the Super Bowl... He was the champion was the Seahawks team and led them to that Super Bowl to he, begin with.
0: Best quarterback in team history. Led them to a Super Bowl. Uh, led that team through some years where they shouldn't have been as good as they were if they didn't have him at the helm. Um, and it's ultimately the reason why the Broncos paid such a high price to trade for him is because of that value here. He was a very good quarterback with a very high value. And it's just been perplexing that we haven't
1: seen it. Yeah, and when we were picking russ i sort of questioned i questioned the decision a little bit and it was not it was not so much because russ didn't deserve it but it was the reception we saw when russ returned to seattle that sort of raised the question for me because the fans just didn't care like they were were booing him there was like a limited respect and you just wonder don't you like what's their perception
0: it's interesting. It'd be interesting to have someone from Seattle or a, or a Seahawks fan on to, to chat it. But um, I think he's the icon for now and we'll keep it with that. Um, but very interesting indeed. And if you disagree, make sure to get in touch with us at Road Troop Sports Pod and let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. And we'd love to hear who you think the icon is because I could definitely hear arguments for Ken Griffey. Probably Beast Mode as well um, would be my um, alternates if I had to pick one.
1: For sure, and we haven't done a redraft for a while. Now, we've done a few redrafts previous that have sort of corresponded with our episode, but given Russell Wilson was drafted in 2012, we've decided to go ahead with a 2012 NFL redraft, H. Yeah, we have, and we're we going to redraft it, not
0: just best available, because that's, that's been done. You just ranked the players, but we're going to try and fit it to what... They would have wanted at the time, bearing in mind their um, needs and where they were at as a franchise. So, we'll kind of try and drag that into it as well. Um, but let's kick it off with the
1: uh, number one pick for the Indianapolis Colts. It goes without saying that the Indianapolis Colts select Russell Wilson.
0: Ooh, I, I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think some people would make the argument that you still draft Andrew Luck, but I think the the lack of longevity in his career means you have to take Russell Wilson here.
1: Yeah, I, I think for sure. And I think what we known what we've known as suck for luck would have been replaced for hustle for Russell. So <laughs> I I reckon there would have been Love a major that. tank for Russ and I think that post Uh, Peyton Manning Manning error, he would have fit in to that Colts team. you also think of the Colts team at the time and and why
0: Andrew Luck retired is because they couldn't put together a stable offensive line and you saw the same in Seattle. So, would Russell have done similar things for the Colts where he would mask a bad O-line with his scrambling ability? Whereas Luck would try and mask it with his intellect and try and get the ball out quickly, but ultimately take some of those sacks that ended his career early. Who's to say, but I think that Colts have made a solid pick there.
1: I tend to agree. And- Colts country. Let's right. <laughs> I tend to agree. Let's talk about our second overall pick here, H. With the second overall pick
0: in the 2020, uh, 2012 sorry, uh, NFL Draft, the Washington team select Andrew... Luck. Now, if we could
1: guarantee a greater or longer career for Andrew Luck, he may playing be.
0: for Washington
1: on that field, yeah. that cursed field. Oh. He may <laughs> we, be staring. We've, we've
0: done Andrew Luck a real dirty here, but sorry, continue.
1: That's fine, and he may be staring at a similar career, but if not worse, you never know. I I think just imagine Luck and Mike Shanahan. Who knows? Luck might still be playing today, and Could they develop an offensive line for him? Nonetheless, I will just say that, and I'll caveat this, the Commanders, or Redskins as they were known, traded up to pick a QB. So we ultimately could have went with a few other players here. But we think Andrew Luck was probably the second best quarterback available at this point.
0: Yeah, I think even if you look at his career in a vacuum in that small sample size that we got, it was still better than um, having the best of some of these other players. So, um, let's give it to them and let's take it to number three now, Ol. Who did the Cleveland Browns select?
1: The Cleveland Browns select the most Cleveland Browns player ever, Kirk Cousins. That
0: just fits so nicely
1: it does in a weird way and I mean he's so like he's not exciting I mean he's a solid quarterback I don't quarterbacks they're destined to fail in Cleveland like what do you say especially I think that what Baker had going for
0: him for a very long time was he brought that attitude and that swagger to Cleveland that they've lacked for so long if if we get you like that Kirk Cousins that might bring that swagger um and like the Kirk Thuggan sort of thing so maybe it goes well for the Browns but we've only really seen that later in his career with all the the major swagger apart from the obvious Um, you like that but yeah I don't know it, it, it would be an interesting to see how he'd mesh and would some coaches who lost their jobs keep their jobs with him at the helm who's to say but better than Trent Richardson that's for sure
1: That's right And H With the fourth pick The Minnesota Vikings select Bobby Wagner Now you're thinking The team probably could have picked a quarterback here But they had Christian Ponder Who I know is not A world beater by any means But They made a They picked him At the time
0: They picked him The year before They're not going to pick another quarterback straight away Yes we know what we know now But Still You can't you, you we're playing to need, so that wasn't a need for them. They originally drafted Matt Khalil, um, offensive tackle out of USC. Um, But I think you go best player available. You get Bobby Wagner on the uh, on the team, and uh, let's ride.
1: Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers is a bit uh, scared that that would have happened. Imagine him as a force in the NFC North. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they select Luke Keekley
0: Yeah, what a pick, and what a star player that... Um, ended his career shorter than a lot of people expected without a title he was originally drafted number nine um, to the Panthers but um, again best player available I think he's just as good as Bobby Wagner just didn't have the same longevity
1: yeah I wish we saw more of Luke Keekly I really do he's probably the second or nearly third best player in this class and wasted talent. on the Panthers yeah, shout yeah. out Jack. I think he almost just lost his his passion for it in the end was sort of the word. He wanted to be able to walk and and live pain-free at the end of his career, which is which is fair enough. I mean,
0: don't blame Football's
1: anyone. a hard sport, so the Jags selects Luke Keekley. All
0: right, moving on to number 6 now. Number 6 was the Dallas Cowboys. Um, now this pick came from Washington via um, St. Louis. So they got pick number six and we think they take another cornerback. So they don't take Morris Claiborne. They take Stephon Gilmore.
1: Yeah. So they strike gold here and corner tends to be an ongoing need for the Cowboys. And wouldn't this have been a great pick?
0: Yeah, it would be a great pick indeed. He was an absolute stud for the Patriots and helped them on uh, their big Super Bowl runs towards the end of the 2010s. And, I mean, he's just, yeah, would definitely lock down a lot of those uh, receivers in the NFC East and would have helped those teams that maybe do they beat the Packers in the
1: 2015 title game. You never know.
0: I oh, wasn't the title game. Sorry, the divisional round game.
1: I know uh, what you mean, but yeah, yeah, you never know. It could it could be it could be the extra help they needed. Next up, we have the Bucks. Uh, they're picking seventh overall in our 2012 redraft, and they select Ryan Tannehill. Now, this selection, you're probably thinking, who was their quarterback at the time? They had Josh Freeman as their starting quarterback, and I just think that. Looking back at it, they take the opportunity to select a quarterback here. what was a pretty safe Tannehill, I mean, ultimately, do you get the Miami demise or do you get the success in Tennessee that happened in the years later? But if we're talking about over the course of his career, I think this is a solid selection for the Bucks at the time. Yeah, I
0: think so. I think that um, definitely solid, definitely helps them out. Um, might potentially put them out of the Tom Brady sweepstakes. Um, depending on his longevity, uh, Ryan's longevity with with the Bucks, But um, yeah, definitely better than Mark Barron, um, safety out of Alabama.
1: Next up, we've got the Miami Dolphins. So I'll leave that with you, H. Who do the Dolphins select in the 2012 redraft?
0: The Miami Dolphins select... Defensive tackle, Fletcher Cox. Now, in the original draft, we did take Tannehill at eight, and he was our um, next quarterback of the future. We had some options. We had Chad Henney, who had a pretty decent uh, run before that. So, um, in this redraft, there's no major quarterbacks available. So, we go best player, and we shore up that uh, defensive line with an absolute stud in the middle. It probably stops us from going after huge for Ndabakong Su in uh, in the year's uh, passing 2012, uh, which is probably a good thing with all the money we paid him to do absolutely nothing. Um, but yeah, thinking of Fletcher Cox and Cam Wake on the same uh, on the same defensive line, that sounds
1: delicious. It sure does. Now with the ninth pick, the Carolina Panthers select Chandler Jones. So as they originally selected Luke Keekley here, we think it's fitting that they select another linebacker in Chandler Jones, and he'd still be a great player for the Panthers providing that pass rush stability for many years to come
0: yeah definitely um stud player helps them out huge and um sort of doesn't quite reach the heights of Luke Keekly but um, definitely comes close
1: now this is what I consider to be the steal of the draft and this is maybe reflective of what we saw on draft night and that was the fall of Harrison Smith and with that the Buffalo Bills with the 10th overall pick in our 2012 redraft, select Harrison Smith.
0: Yeah, absolute start of a as a safety. Very, um, very good in defense there and I think that he, uh, he helps the Buffalo Bills out something severe.
1: A bit of an underrated player as well. Um, very
0: underrated. You don't hear anything about him, yet he's always making plays for the Vikings. Always tough. Um, I remember he caused the fumble um, when we played them earlier in the year and um, yeah, Tough player to play against.
1: He's one of those... I reckon he's probably one of the most underrated six-time pro bowlers there is. Ooh, six uh, times. Six times. Six times, and he's made an all-pro team, a second all-pro team, a fantastic safety for that Vikings team. But ultimately, we've got him going to the Bills here.
0: Definitely. And that's it. Uh, We just did the top 10 uh, for the redraft for 2012. Let us know your thoughts of the rest of the teams in the first round and who you think they would have taken, um, knowing what we know now. But we're going to move into the mailbag, and we're going to move into the first question from Daz from CM. Um, First of all, Daz, congratulations. Your team has beaten mine uh, with a third-string quarterback. How depressing. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which, can (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm still in my feelings about that one. Um, Daz's question was: Can the 49ers still contend after losing Jimmy G? We saw him get rolled up on the first drive of the game and uh, break his uh, foot or ankle. Um, I believe it was ankle, um, and he won't. He'll be out for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. Is there a chance that they could perhaps get a a player from the free agency, a free agency quarterback, maybe? We're past the trade deadline, so... Well, they,
0: they signed Josh Johnson off the Broncos, I believe, practice squad um, to back up. Um, I've forgotten his name now already. Um, Purdy. Um, Brock Purdy. Um, who's the seventh round quarterback out of Iowa State. Um, he looked great today, but once teams start to game plan for him and uh, watch that film... We might see it change, so we'd love to see some more cons- uh, consistent and sustained success against quality opponents for Brock Purdy. But he did well and cut apart my Dolphins today.
1: Out of nowhere, Drew Brees—he comes out of retirement. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just joking. But um, <laughs> how how this pans out, I I don't know. Like. Jimmy G has always been safe, and I I suppose that's all you need from what is a dynamic offense and defense.
0: And that's what a lot of people said about Brock Purdy today. He was safe. He was in the mold of Jimmy G. He even did Jimmy G's um, celebration after a touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey. So if we get Jimmy G light, if their pieces can stay healthy, I think that's the big key. You look at the loss of Elijah Mitchell, um, CMC's banged up a little bit. Can they keep their guys healthy? Can they keep them on the field? If they can, I still
1: think they make the playoffs and potentially can put together a run. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Mr. Irrelevant will be looking to become Mr. Relevant in San Francisco. And to do so, he's going to have to rely on Christian McCaffrey. They're going to have have to run a a lot of gadget plays with your Brennan Ayuk, your Debo Samuel. They've still got Kittle there. Perhaps they don't lean on him as much as a pass, a run blocker. More or less, let's just get him the ball as well. So, we'll wait and see. To answer your question, I think it's a hard one to answer. You would just say, initially, that they've got to be a little bit worse. I think you'd have to say that. We're looking at a seventh-round pick in last year's draft versus Jimmy G, who's sort of established himself as an average quarterback.
0: The problem is, uh, Tom Brady has ruined late-round draft picks because everyone comes in with that expectation now. as a late-round draft pick. Oh, well, they can do it. They can play the guitar. Like... It's hard for those guys to succeed. There's a reason why they weren't drafted earlier. It's because scouts have all unanimously said they can't do it or they can't do it as well as other people can. So the scouts were wrong once with Tom Brady. They're not going to be wrong every single time.
1: I agree. What's our next question? Our next question comes from Rob
0: from Waters Bay who asks, did Lamar make the wrong call? Uh, regarding his contract, we saw him go down with a knee injury today, um, the severity of which is unconfirmed at the time of recording. However, um,
1: he turned down that two hundred and fifty million dollar five year extension with a hundred and thirty three million dollars guaranteed. So that's what he's missing out on, Hatch.
0: Yeah, I think that it's it's hard because. We we say a lot of times that players got to bet on themselves, and they've got to. um, And he was the one who's he's going to make bank if he gets to free agency healthy. He is going to the Ravens are going to overpay significantly for him because they won't want to let him go over the building. They've built their entire offense and their entire scheme around the way Lamar Jackson plays, so he is going to earn bank. But the problem is you you weigh that risk the way the reward against the risk, the risk of injury, the risk that if he's done an ACL, he's not going to get that big contract. Or if he does get a big contract, it might not be in the Ravens. It might be somewhere else, a bit lower down, a bit more desperate for a quarterback. Uh, with, without the support and the organizational structure of the Ravens, it's not the wrong idea. It's just unfortunate.
1: Here's my call. I reckon if he does an ACL, I think they keep the same offer and I think that's what he signs for. You I just think that ultimately he makes no classy more organization. Money. Yeah, I just think that they offer the same contract, and I think he accepts. I yeah, I think I think that's what we could see, but you know, we have we'll-
0: to wait for the prognosis. We have to wait until he's actually injured. They, they've said that he's been carrying a lot of injuries throughout the year, including knee injuries. So potentially it's just an aggravation of that, and he doesn't need surgery. Who knows? But um, time will tell, and we'll have to keep a close eye on that one.
1: We sure will. Our next question comes from Noah from Newcastle, and he uh, well, he says, discuss the Socceroos' run this World Cup. Now, what was expected to be a group stage team, the Socceroos have exceeded expectations, made it to the round of 16, and just went down to Argentina 2-1. They took it to them too, didn't they? They sure did. And it was, it was a game where Argentina early... They held a lot of the possession. It wasn't attacking football. It was basically played within the middle of the field. However, they got away a bit at the end. They scored a couple of goals, and it looked pretty dire for Australia. They got a late one, the Socceroos, and then they had a few chances late, which sort of left us happy and and proud that they were in that game.
0: Yeah, I think that's the ultimate thing we're coming out of, is proud and hoping for the future, because it looks they're, they're a young squad that did this well, Hopefully they can uh, pull it together for the future, and maybe we can see a run even deeper um, in the next tournament. Uh, well, that's it for our mailbag. Moving into our lock of the week now, um, our lock season has ended because Oli has finally wrapped up um, his end of the bargain, and he got to the ten points with a Vikings win over the Jets. Um, my result hasn't come into play yet; it's uh, happening. Uh, you would have, you would know the result already. Uh, but at time of recording, it hasn't been played. The Bucks versus Saints. Um, but regardless, uh, congratulations to you, Ollie.
1: Thanks, mate. It's good to peg one back. So I think that it'll be cool to go through again and, and try and pick some sports. I wonder how how accurate we have been along the whole year. it would be interesting to see. I don't think we'd be making you a lot of money. I just feel like some of these are cursed, man. I remember the yeah. run that I had... Particularly with this one, it was like it was the Harrison curse the whole way along. <laughs> but uh, it's good to finish with a victory.
0: Absolutely, uh, one championship each uh, for the lock competition, and uh, we'll look to get those punishments done at some point.
1: It might even have to be the uh, I don't know what's what's something that we both want that it would be cool. Imagine if we if we did it at the start of the season and be like, all right, you've got uh, NFL league pass and you can't touch it for eight weeks or ten weeks until someone wins the lock-off. But um, nonetheless, we might have to think of uh, a fun incentive for doing well as well as the punishment.
0: I, I think the punishment should be you have to watch Houston Texan games each week. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not looking forward to that, <laughs> mate. So,
0: <laughs> All right, well, that's it uh, for our podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate all of your positive feedback and all of our listeners. Um, if you like what you hear, make sure you follow us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. You can find us on YouTube. Road Trip Sports Podcast is what you need to search. Any inquiries you've got, you can send them through to Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com or slide into any of our DMs. We're very excited to hear from you and hear all of your thoughts. Uh, looking forward to next week of sport. It's another big week of sport with the World Cup continuing. Uh, Once that wraps up, we'll uh, bring you a full review. Um, But our picks have been doing pretty well so far.
1: Yes, they have. And um, we look forward to seeing you all at East Rugby Club, is it?
0: East Rugby Club, yep. This
1: Saturday. This
0: Saturday, Yeah.
1: Time to be confirmed days out before the event. But um, nonetheless, get down there if you can.
0: Absolutely. And watch
1: H or possibly Kingy raise the... uh, what do they call it? What's the championship?
0: Fred Burson Trophy, I think it Fred was.
1: Fred Burson Trophy. There you go. Is there, there a nickname go. for it? Not the Toilet Bowl?
0: <laughs> no, it's it's been <laughs> in Sydney Uni's uh, possession for too long. But, uh, the it, Sydney Uni Bowl. It's just got... Yeah, it's the Sydney Uni Bowl. Um, uh, but
1: well, good luck to those playing and um, our listeners that are playing as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, thanks for all the uh, support. And uh, make sure... You, uh, we hope your team wins Unless they're playing the Dolphins, the Packers, or the Sydney University Lions. And we'll see you next time.
1: See ya.